Welcome. The following is a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find us on the web at firstlovechurch.org. Welcome to our second Sunday of Easter. We want to remind you that Easter is more than one Sunday. In fact, this is Easter season. And so as we progress through this season, there is so much to be learned and so much hope to be given from the fact that this is not just a, oh, if you missed Easter last week, but there is for us a practice of recognizing the power that comes from the hope of resurrection. Now, I'm the kind of person, I don't think birthdays should be just one day. I think that for me personally, I should get a birthday week, you know, where I don't have to do anything I don't want to do and people bring me gifts all week. That's how I think it ought to go. Um, Not everybody thinks that, but uh, I shall still be lobbying for this to the best of my ability. And uh, so for somebody that likes birthday week, you might think, why is he stretching Easter into several weeks? Well, we just want you to know that's an early church tradition. We didn't make it up. It's Easter tide, and the early church didn't think that you could uh, celebrate it adequately in one day. And transformation is something that, that and resurrection, something that transpires over a, a long period of time. And so we're going to take a period of time uh, in our sermons and celebrate Easter. Uh, Because there's no way it could be crammed or fit into just one day, could it? And how do you really understand the power of resurrection? We're going to look at the disciples' account of what they had witnessed and then really look at how do we relate that to our own personal lives today as followers of Jesus? What does it mean to be a people that are of the resurrection? What does it mean to be a people who really know and follow in the path that Jesus had when he said, this is the way to real life. This is the way to truly live. And there is a hope in that, and the practice of hope is something that we're invited into, and we're so grateful that you're here with us today as we do that. Well, I just want to talk about practices, yeah. because, you know, we practiced something before we started uh, here right now. The band gathered together the other day, and we uh, demonstrated uh, some worship, uh, and you hopefully cooperated or practiced along with uh with us as we worship God, because that is a practice uh, that the church has. And uh, anything that uh, you get good at, you got good at because you practiced. So worship is is for us a practice, as well as uh, giving is. And so again, I just want to thank everybody for their generous giving, that you're cooperating in the practice of generosity. And because you're uh, doing that, our church is able to continue to do all the things that we have to do and need to do and want to do. So again, I just want to thank you for your generous giving and being a part of practice. And uh, we'll practice communion in a little while. We practice uh, in our studying and surrendering to the Word of God. There are so many things that we can see here in Scripture and the things we'll talk about today that really uh, help us understand and develop in the practices. Amen? One of the practices that we'll involve ourselves in and we invite you to join us is that we're going to make a practice of confession. And we invite you to join us from your homes mm-hmm. and practice these That's ancient good. creeds and confessions with us. The, the confession that we have before we do worship, um, hopefully it will be a, a good memory for you when we gather together in one place and we make this confession. And so even in our homes, we remember that though we're not gathered at a physical location, we are gathered in the name of Jesus, Jesus who is present with you even mm-hmm. now. And so if you would make so a worship come, confession. Say we have come to this house, <laughs> your house. We have gathered in, in the, the name, name of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. 
We have come to this house to worship God. We have come to confess that Jesus is Lord. We are not here to be entertained. We are here to encounter the sacred. We are not consumers. We are worshipers. We praise and adore the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're going to read together this morning from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. And this is for us an encouragement, and it is for us a remembrance, and it kind of sets the tone for us. A lot of times we read from the Psalms, sometimes from the other instructions in the New Testament regarding the church, but during this Eastertide, this is the idea and the remembrance of what the resurrection looks like in our daily lives. So if you would read from us, read with us from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 9. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change, and decay. And And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These tiles will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him, even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. What a beautiful reminder. There's so much that is relevant even in the introductory text or in this text that says, hey, the reason that you're doing this is because you have a great hope. Mm -hmm. And you have a great hope because of Christ, because of the work that he already accomplished. You don't have a great hope because of what you can do. And I think that's one of the joys of resurrection is remembering or bringing to the forefront of our thinking that the resurrection happened without any input from us. And that is still true today, that this is the power of God that we are encountering and that we are relying on, not our own works. You know, we look at this season in time and it's, it's, uh, you know, this has not happened before in our lifetime. You know, an epidemic or any kind of a plague hasn't been around for over a hundred years. So there is a lot of fear I see in people, a lot of uncertainty. And, uh, and people really wonder what is going to happen next. Well, I think that if you let your minds wander, that could be a terrifying place that you might find yourself in right now. But I want to remind you, Scripture says that you, what is that last verse we were just looking at? I love how it says that your reward for trusting him will be salvation of your souls. That is what is going to happen. 
you know, we can sit here and go, well, what, uh, you know, what if this person gets sick? Or what if I do? What if I, you know what? All those things are speculation. They torment, they, they make us afraid. But what certainly will happen is that you will be rewarded for trusting him. Uh, you will, will receive your salvation of your souls. And so hang on this truth, hang on the promise of resurrection. His death, burial, and resurrection uh, frees you and I to be uh, freed from death and, uh, and transformed by that resurrection power and be made new creatures in Christ Jesus. That is what's happening for sure. Whether plagues come and go, sicknesses happen, economies rise and fall, those things happen to certain people. They, uh, they seem to be very random and all the, the things. And if I focus on that, I will be like a, a person bouncing on a wave, just tossed uh, uh, and seasick because it's just moving around constantly. But the certainty of these scriptures give me confidence in my relationship with Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Another practice that we have is a practice of prayer. And one of the things that we do before we um, go to the main portion of our service where we are going to approach the text, we made a confession this morning that says we're here to encounter the sacred. And we do that through the written word of Christ. But we also do that through the words of other believers who have testified of Christ. We find and encounter the sacred through brothers and sisters, and we do that through the worship that we have together. But one of the ways that we do that is through prayer. And so we do ask that you would pray with us this morning. Yes. Almighty Almighty God, God, who through your Son overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life. Grant that we who celebrate our Lord's resurrection may arise from the death of our sin through the renewal of your Holy Spirit and may hear and obey your living word of truth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. I love the part of Easter where we get to have our alleluia back. In the liturgies and in the prayers, at the end of the prayers, you get to have your alleluia. And there is so much hope in saying, this has become ours. Resurrection is possible. Death no longer has the last word. Many of us are feeling the overwhelming culture around us and just even the sadness or the burden that has um, come to us because of the pandemic that we are all experiencing. But there is for us an underlying hope, a hope that is not deferred or a hope that is not changed by what is surrounding us, but a hope that has been made clear because of Jesus's defeat of death. You know, we've all seen people that are just depressed and moping around and maybe aren't as exciting to be around as they once were. They've kind of lost their fire. And I want to remind you, you've got your hallelujah back. I've got my hallelujah back. I am excited. I'm on fire inside for my, with my relationship with the Lord Jesus. He's given you your hallelujah back. And you know, when we read that prayer, um, you know, it's, it's funny about prayers because if we misunderstand their purpose, they almost don't make as much sense. Because when you read that scripture, you're like, you know, it almost sounds like you're asking God to save us. 
and he already has through the completed work of Christ on the cross. So if your prayer is trying to convince God of something, then sometimes prayers, like that prayer doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you realize prayer is designed not to change God, but to change you, and you need to understand the revelation of, wait a minute, I don't have to be afraid. He is saving me. He is transforming me. Then prayer all of a sudden makes a lot of sense. And so I want to remind you, I think in my early uh, days of, of Catholicism, I prayed just because you were supposed to, and they were repetitive, empty prayers. And then I become among the charismatics and they said, oh, don't pray the written prayers. You, you just pray improvisational prayers. You just pray whatever's in your heart. Well, the problem is there's wicked things in my heart. And, you know, they, the other way says an angry man prays angry prayers. Uh, and a fearful man prays fearful prayers. So I really don't want to pray out everything that's in my heart. Uh, I want... God to show me what to pray, and he did. He, he gave us a, a real clear prayer. He said, when you don't know how to pray, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven, honored be your name, uh, so on. And so he's given us these prayers, and the early church has, so that we pray them, and they, and they bring forth a change in us. I'm not trying to twist God's arm or change him. He already wants good things for you. He already pours out a blessing on us, but sometimes our prayers is what's gonna adjust me to a place of opening up to receive it or a place to letting my heart be ready for transformation to be uh, delivered by uh, his uh, completed work on the cross, amen? One of the messages of Jesus was a call to repentance and repentance for the whole world is to change the way that we think. Yeah, right. And many of us are experiencing this absolute understanding of we need to change the way we think about neighbor, about diseases, about washing our hands, about being socially distant from someone. There's a lot that we are asked to change in our mind, but Jesus offers to us a higher level of thinking. And this is why he offers to us the love of neighbor, the love of enemy. He's saying, I want you to come and follow my way of living. And I want you to change you by changing the way that you think. And so it's important that we allow the prayers to confront the way we think. It's important that we allow the prayers to transform the way that we think about ourselves, about the world around us, and about our neighbors and enemies as well. Jesus gives specific instructions for us, and if we are truly Jesus' followers, in the Gospel of John that we'll be reading over and over again, believe is not considered a, uh, a noun or just an understanding. It has action mm-hmm. poured behind it, and it's this understanding that your belief fuels the action. And this is what we are hoping for, and we are experiencing that the prayers will form us and that they will fuel us into action, that we would be the people that God designed us to be, people of love and people who bring and who exercise dominion in the kingdom right here and right now. You know, uh, this week I went to the hardware store, and uh, it's just a different world we live in now. You know, we're making sure, I'm looking around to make sure that I'm at least six feet away from people. If someone's walking down the aisle, I get out of the way and just give that courtesy of distance for people and I look at them and smile so that they kind of recognize, oh, you made that effort for me, I made that effort for you. And there's, you know, you even can see people look at you with gratitude because what we're doing now all at once when you're out and be out as little as possible, but when you are out, make sure you're practicing those things. And it's interesting that because now this is a new awareness I'm doing something towards mankind differently, but for the, the, the intention 
of being a blessing to them so they wouldn't get sick from anything I have or, or you know, that, that we would, wouldn't spread any disease. Isn't that, isn't that you know, one of the, the most generous things we could do? But I didn't think about that six weeks ago. Two months ago, that was never on my radar. And I think too, uh, you know, uh, how I make sure that there's little food packets in my car. And when I see a hungry person, instead of trying to avoid them, oh my God, they're gonna hit me up. I can tell by the way that guy looks. When they come towards me, boom, I've got something ready to give to them uh, is, is, is really a change of the way that we're viewing our atmosphere, our our world, what's going on. And I, I want to encourage people to, if we've been able to so quickly change the way we distance and, and operate at a hardware store, how much more could we be looking around and seeing how we could minister the love of Christ in a pandemic, how we could be kind, loving, and generous and helpful because all around God's going to give you opportunities. Mm. So when we go to the text, it is in John chapter 20, verse 19 through 31. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. I love this verse, and though we'll comment and have a discussion after the entire text is read, I don't want to miss this chance to remind you that we are separated by closed doors, but there is a presence, there is Jesus who is able to walk through those doors and who declares this same truth to you this morning. Peace be with you. The presence of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, even in your homes behind your locked doors. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and take this chance to preach for a second too, because, you know, you think about how last week we read that scripture where Jesus revealed himself to Mary by calling her name. And then she realized he wasn't the gardener, that that was her savior. And here are these guys behind locked doors. Jesus did whatever he needed to do to reveal himself. And I know that from myself personally and other believers I've known, I've heard them really make outlandish requests to God. You know, Jesus, uh, if you're real, Fill me with the Holy Spirit, or or like poor doubting Thomas who gets a bad rap. He we're going to read about him. He he just says uh, I wasn't there, so I want to believe and I want to have the same experiences that you all had. I want you to I want to see and feel. And so what does Jesus do? Comes and shows him by letting him see and letting him feel. So I want to encourage each one of you that just like he did this with Mary, with the disciples, with. Uh, uh, my friends, with myself. He will do that for you. If he will come to you through locked doors, through uh, COVID-19 isolation, through uh, any kind of, of prison time that you might have done, or he will show up wherever you are in your brokenness, your depression, your isolation. He will show up and show himself strong because he is a mighty God. Amen? Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and in his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. And again he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, 
they are not forgiven. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Do not be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And the disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Mm. This part of the verse, but these are written so that you would continue to believe. There is so much in this particular text that is worthy of our attention and is worthy of our discussion. But even in that place where Thomas makes a declaration. He sees the Lord. The other people, when they saw the Lord, says it brought them great joy. But Thomas sees the Lord and he says, my Lord and my God. He begins to give mm -hmm. praise. He begins to say, you are the one I'm following. And in fact, that's what Thomas was saying in the beginning. I mean, a few verses back, um, Jesus, before he's ascending, he, he, he says, you know, what, what's going to happen if you die? Who are we going to, how are we going to follow? You have the word of life. I mean, he's ready to follow Jesus. He's ready to put action behind it. And so when the other disciples bring testimony and they say, Jesus has been here, he's like, I, I want to I go back to when I'm ready to follow. I want to do that thing but I need to see him if I'm ready to go I need to see him and Jesus shows up and there he declares that yeah this is you're my Lord whatever you say I'm in I'm all in and Jesus meets him in that place and in that inquiry and I think that this resurrection story that talks it begins with Mary when she sees the Lord and he gives her the instruction, go tell the, the brothers, begin to testify that you've seen him. And then even in community, Jesus shows up and the brothers then testify to Thomas, we've seen him. There's such a power in that testimony. And that power in that testimony causes us not just to believe someone else's testimony, but to know where to look. Where do I look for the resurrected Lord? Where do I investigate in the nature around us, in the things around us? How do I begin to see the Lord? How do I begin to see where God is calling us to do. And that's the invitation that we have in this present time, not just to witness how the disciples encountered him, but how do we encounter him in our lives in 2020? Well, you know, that's really the point of the testimony. It inspires, it encourages you to keep looking, but the reality is the goal of it is not that you'd just be excited because someone else believed, but that you would say, like Thomas did, after hearing their testimony, he hangs around and then he has one of his own. And then he says, my Lord, my God, not their Lord and their God because they were the one that saw. You understand what I mean? Because when the, the other people's testimonies are good and we should always share our testimony and you will be inspired by others. But those testimonies are only there to show you that God would reveal himself to others just as he will to you. And so keep looking for that place where you say, my Lord 
and my God, you've answered those questions for me. You've came and let me touch you where I need to touch you. You've let, need, you've let me hear what I need to hear and see what I need to see so that I can say, yes, I believe, and my belief causes me to make you Lord, causes me to uh, accept you as my Lord. And that's really, to me, what's so profound about this is that he's getting to that place where he's surrendering to, to who Jesus really is. And not just hearsay, he's experienced it himself. And these things are written so that you may continue to believe. Mm-hmm. Beloved, that is the hope for all of us, that we would not only believe the one time and then never let it influence us again, Ooh. but that we would start the journey and that we would follow the journey all the way till the end, till we receive that crown of life. There is for us an encouragement in Holy Scripture. There is for us an encouragement in hearing the witnesses of other believers who have said, I have seen the Lord. I've seen his power and his ability to work in lives, to transform lives. But there is an understanding that we come to when we look at the scriptures and we say, listen, if you continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life in the power of his name. This is Eastertide, this understanding that we have been gifted life, true life. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. What does it look like to really live? What does it look like to live as people with hope in the middle of a pandemic? What does it look like to live as people who are following in the way of Jesus and put neighbor first? What does it look like for us to practice being gracious and kind and merciful to people that we are cooped up with, that we have been quarantined with? What does it look like for us to practice the Jesus way of living right now, today, so that we can experience the kingdom here and now? Because mm, you want to experience it. You want to feel it. You want to live it out, you know? Um, Heather and I were podcasting and we did a, our first season and then we kind of took a pause, maybe longer than we intended. And so I went back to the recording gear And that was something that we were doing every week. And I just couldn't remember any of the command keys, any of the, I couldn't even get the thing to hardly work. And I thought, that's so weird. I recorded 12 of these just a few months back. And now I can't get any of this equipment to work. And it's a really obvious reason why I forgot I didn't get around it. I didn't practice it. I didn't use it. And because I didn't use it, it didn't go away. It just... I wasn't able to connect with it myself, you know? And so I think about this when it comes to your walk and your relationship with God. These practices that we offer are just that because as I continue to pray, as I continue to partake in communion, as I continue to confess prayers and and read the word and worship and give, I am connecting with him and I'm giving opportunities for me to experience resurrection, for me to be touched in a way that I know he's real. And those practices are just simply opportunities where God can breathe on me, touch me, bless me, connect with me. And so I want to practice as much as I can in as many different areas as I can because it's connecting us with God. And But make no mistake, if you ignore it like I did, that recording equipment back there, you wonder why it's foreign to you, it's strange, and it doesn't even seem real. You know, I almost accuse like this thing's broke. It didn't work. 
Well, I knew the truth. I just hadn't worked it in a while and I'd forgotten everything. And so sadly, uh, that happens to us. That's why the scripture says, you walk away from the mirror of the word of God and you forget what manner of man you are. It is important for us to stay in this thing. So even though you're in this place of isolation, don't isolate from your relationship with Christ. Don't uh, get on uh, so many Netflix binges that you forget to do a Bible binge, that you forget to pray, that you forget to connect with God who just wants to spend some time with you. So carve out that time. Make sure the Sabbath is holy, that you still take Sunday. It's becoming even more amazing for us because we're not at church all day. We're here at the house and we're, we're really just spending even more time with the kids. It is becoming more sacred and more holy uh, even in this time. So this doesn't have to pull you away from God. It can draw you closer. Hmm. I love this witness that they give us that when the presence of Christ is there, peace is with you. Mm-hmm. Beloved, every time that a scripture is given, when it talks about the promise of God, it says that he'll be revealed to us in suffering. In our suffering, that's where he is revealed. Mm-hmm. And so this promise of peace is to us in our suffering. Mm-hmm. This promise of peace, Emmanuel, God with us. I remind you that you have the potential to tap into, to experience, to recognize or surrender to the presence of Christ with you. You are loved. You belong. God is with you. And there is for us a hope in the practice of maintaining or holding on to peace. Oh, that's so good. We're going to go to um, the scripture and recognize what it calls us to do. It calls us and invites us. In fact, um, in the, a little bit further in the account and in the story, the disciples are leaving Jerusalem and Jesus begins to be revealed to them, um, the disciples on the Emmaus, and he is revealed to them in the breaking of bread. But we want to provide for you a confession, a prayer first, and then we would like to take Holy Communion together. And we would like to practice what Jesus invited us into in recognizing the sacredness of the Lord's table. And so if you would pray with us, victorious Trinity, longing to experience and share the fullness of life that you offer, we take these gifts that you have given us, this bread and this cup, and celebrate with joy the eternal life offered to us through Jesus Christ. Humbly, we ask you to accept our praise and thanksgiving Accept our lives as holy offerings to you, that in losing our life, we might find true life and proclaim the resurrected Christ who offers life to all. Great is the mystery of faith. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory. Gracious God, Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of the bread and cup. By your Spirit, unite us with the living Christ and with all who seek to follow in his life-giving way, that we may further your reign of peace and justice in every place. In the eating of this bread as Christ's body 
and in the sharing of this cup as Christ's blood, we invite your life to fill us. We invite your spirit to lead us ever more faithfully to be the body of Christ in the world. All glory and honor are yours, eternal God, now and forever. Amen. As we prepare to eat the meal, let us share together the proclamation of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. You know, I wanted to say that as we're getting ready to share this communion, that, you know, maybe some people have watched a few weeks in a row wonder, why do they do that every week? You know, I want to commune with Jesus as much as possible. I don't want to limit it to special occasions or once a month or, or whatever. And, and as a church, if we're saying that we're gathering in the name of Jesus, then let's do what he instructed us to do. And he said, and as often as you gather together, you share this, you break this bread and, and share this cup and remember what he's done. And I believe it's a supernatural thing that is happening when we break that bread, that Christ is present and you're receiving literally his broken body and his shed blood and and what that broken body meant for you and does for you and provides for you, what that shed blood meant for you, does for you and provides for you. You receive that when you partake. And so we want to make sure that you don't feel any kind of religious obligation that would prevent you from receiving right now because Jesus invited you and Jesus has broken down every wall, everything that separates us from him. Uh, Hell, death, and the grave cannot stand and sin cannot stand. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And Jesus has paid the price. He's done whatever it takes. And he's the one who instructs this meal. So you're at home, you take whatever bread you have, whatever cup of juice, wine, drink, whatever, and you get that in front of you. And as we partake, if you ask Jesus, can I have this? He's not going to turn you away. If, can I receive the broken, even though I've sinned and fallen short of your glory, well, then you're just like everyone else. Two of the people right there at, uh, at the table, uh, the first time he ever did this was, was one was doubting, one was betraying, uh, one was getting ready to deny. They were a bunch, weren't they? And they were all welcome and invited. And so we're a bunch right here. Under the sound of my voice, is a a wild collection of us, but I tell you something, each one of us are welcome to partake of this table. This is the table of Jesus Christ, where everyone is welcomed and no one is turned away. So this morning we offer the bread and the wine to you, to every single person without exception. This table is an enactment of the scandalous love of Jesus Christ. So we invite you this morning to come to the table. Amen. Well, Jesus' body was, was lifted up on that cross, wasn't it? And because it was lifted up, we're all forgiven. So we lift up this representation of his body. And as we eat this bread, we receive his broken body and everything that it has won for us. Take and eat, Lord Jesus Christ. And after that meal, they took the cup. And Jesus said, this is for the forgiveness of sins. Again, when he was with the disciples, we read even in the account of John today, where he talked about 
he has forgiven sins. And now it has become the commission of those who have followed him to forgive sins, oh, yeah. to practice forgiving yes. people's sins. And so we receive forgiveness and then we offer forgiveness. Mm. This is this beautiful cycle oh, where we cool. are in Christ. Um, a church father, Augustine, said, Behold what you are and become what you will receive. Behold what you are, you are forgiven, and become what you will receive. Become a forgiver of other people's sins, and recognize that is the invitation for the whole world. That is the kingdom come, that is his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we give thanks this morning for the cup, for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink. Almighty God, we thank you that in your great love for us, you have fed us with spiritual food and with drink of the body and the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. And you have given us a foretaste of that heavenly banquet. Grant now that this sacrament would be to us a comfort in our affliction, that it would be to us a pledge of our inheritance in the kingdom where there is no death, nor sorrow, nor crying, but with you and all of the saints would experience fullness of joys through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. You know, I just want to testify for a moment here because, you know, we have not been meeting as a church in that building for a month now. And I have to tell you that... uh, that you're, you've been so faithful to give. We're, we're finding it online. We're finding it in the mailbox. We're finding it at church. We're finding it under the doormat. And you, you guys have been just so generous. And because of that, you know, in the middle of this pandemic, we are not lacking anything. We've been able to continue to help people with, with food, with house payments, with, with uh, electric bills, with all of the things that happen on a, on a regular basis, the knocks that come to the door and the, the people that are in need and, and, and your pastors are being taken care of and, and, and the bills are still being paid and the needs are being met. And so I just want to thank you and I want to testify that that is nothing short of a miracle in this time. And you guys are part of that miracle because of your faithfulness, your obedience. And so I'm asking God that there would not be a single person that uh, that is under the sound of my voice that would have to to, to do without that would have to um, uh, uh, struggle struggle and suffer lack father I just pray the increase and the blessing of God upon them as they continue to give father that you would provide supernaturally for each one of us father to continue to pour out your blessing on every saint I ask you father as they've given sacrificially and there's been those that have given way beyond their tithes and offerings in this time and I ask you father just pour out a blessing emotionally spiritually physically financially in every way that you would breathe on them and show them that you're Lord of every aspect of their life. And I thank you, Father, for blessing them. In Jesus' name, we agree. And we we ask you, Father, to continue to show miracles in the church's life, in the individual members of the church. Father, in our community, in our country, we rebuke that uh, sickness that it would not come and steal from our, our old people. 
that are the wisdom that's there. But Father, we speak life over them and that you would continue to cause us to use wisdom on how to stay away from that. But that, that uh, sickness will not overtake the body. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name that you are a miracle worker yesterday, today, and forever. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Grace be to you and peace from him who was and is and is to come, from Jesus Christ, a faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of all the kings on the earth. Beloved, we remind you of your truest identity. You are once not defined by pandemic. You are once defined by the fact that you are loved by God. Beloved, children of God, may the Lord bless you and keep you, May the Lord be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, and may the Lord give you his own peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we put the name of God upon you. Amen. And may you go today, in whatever it is that you're doing, wherever it is that you're going, in your own homes, sheltering in place, but may you go from this moment on reminded that you are beloved. Amen. Well, I'm being reminded that I do need to tell you that you can give at, by going to firstlovechurch.org and uh, uh, you go to, to the giving section there and you can give online. Or again, you can write a check and just mail it, uh, address it to First Love Church. And our address is 2529 North Magnolia, Ocala, Florida, 34475. And so this is my favorite part of the service. I get to dismiss you from your own home. So you're loved and you're dismissed. Go be with God. Peace be with you. The following was a sermon presented at First Love Church in Ocala, Florida. If you'd like to know more about our church or Pastors Dennis and Heather Drake, you can find out on the web at firstlovechurch.org. If you'd like to help us continue the work that we're doing, you can donate at firstlovechurch.org.